missionaries to Honduras and now working in Falconer, New York as pastor and pastors of the First Wesleyan Church there. We're very happy that Steve and Ruth are here and very glad to hear about what God is doing in uh, partnering in the Jesus film Wesleyan uh, World Missions or Global Partners and uh, Western New York District and Honduras, uh, the Wesleyan Church in Honduras are getting together on an exciting project to present uh, the Jesus film in Honduras. Steve's going to be talking to us a little bit about that other things this morning. So Steve, you welcome, and Ruth, welcome. We're glad to have you back and glad to have you here. Pastor Hector Perez 
who is the director of Jesus Film Ministry in Columbia. And he comes as a pastor and one with much experience in church planting also. He and John Connor will be doing the bulk of the training of a new Jesus Film Ministry team and church planting team in Honduras. And it has been a delight for me to be able to very often communicate with Carlos Medina, pastor there in Honduras, who will be the new director of this Jesus Film Ministry, this new initiative. Carlos and his wife were ones that we became well acquainted with when we were there in Honduras, and I know that they really have a passion for reaching out to share Jesus with other people and to now have that opportunity to connect with them again after 10 years is just great. I have so many memories of our family visiting them and their little preschool daughter at the time, Carlita, and to recognize the way the church there in San Lorenzo has grown and they have to go back and to take the next step is, is wonderful. When we met Carlos 10 years ago, he had received some introduction to Christian faith through the Catholic Church, though uh, he occasionally encountered some visiting liberation theologians who had pretty heavy political agenda and had kind of walked away from uh, that experience of the Catholic Church. He also, from time to time, heard on the radio conservative Protestant voices who talked about the need to be saved, to make sure you're ready to go to heaven. But he didn't hear them talk very much about the life that we live now. And for Carlos and Linda, it was good timing that there was a pastor, a Wesleyan pastor in La Ceiba, who has a great evangelist heart. He lived in the neighborhood that we were part of in Barrio Inglés, Pastor Omar Moya. And Omar had the green light from the district to go out and look for a church planting site. And so one day he got on a bus and he went on a prayerful search and went about two hours to a town of Olanchito and checked that out. And he really, though, wanted to find a place where there wasn't any uh, active church presence to speak of. And so he got back on the bus and rode another 45 minutes over Washboard Road out to the end of the bus line. Knew he had to get off then, and that was San Lorenzo Arriba. And he was quickly received there in the community and sensed spiritual openness and need. And he preached a message that resonated very much with Carlos and Linda, and that is that God has in mind a transformation of the life that we live now and in the future. And uh, Carlos really wanted a Wesleyan church to be planted in this village of San Lorenzo. And as Pastor Omar and the long-time missionaries there at that time, Tom Lydia Hines, talked about who that would be, the best candidate seemed to be Carlos himself, even though there were a few things that he would have to do to, to get ready. Uh, but not too long after we talked to him, Carlos and Linda were married and baptized. Carlos began classes at the Western Bible Institute, taking the bus into the state, which was quite a, quite a 
bus ride, and so often he would stay in our home. And so it wasn't just interaction in the classroom, but a lot around the breakfast table, and a lot of uh, pouring our lives into one another's, and uh, just a, a great friendship and connection that developed there. This church really began to grow, and it didn't take off, however, without some obstacles. As usually when you hear the, the full story, that's a part of it as well. I would admit that as I first heard about going out there, I knew there were uh, maybe some who had a little hesitation about whether this was the right thing to do. And, I would admit that I had a little hesitation because I was more inclined to maybe pour myself into urban ministry or working right there in La Ceiba, but the need was in San Lorenzo, so I went and I'm so glad that I did. Uh, the children uh, <coughs> would travel out with us at times also and uh, would entertain themselves by counting the donkeys and the cacti between Olanchito and, and San Lorenzo. And when I first arrived there in the village, this rural village where they hadn't really seen too many white people, there was there was one child who uh, described me as the man with the golden beard. And uh, I suppose more accurately now it would be gold and silver. But periodically our, our family did get out there and uh, we developed a very good friendship with Carlos and Linda and, and Carlita. Pastors from the Wesleyan Church, the Wesleyan Churches in La Sable, would also travel out to be an encouragement to Carlos and this uh, new church that was growing. And that was a good thing. We would often stay in a house that had a sort of tile roof that you could look up and you could see the moonlight shining through a, a little bit. At that time there wasn't electricity and so it was very peaceful at night and very dark and uh, you always want to make sure that you brought your flashlight along. Very quiet until early in the morning when the cows would begin to bellow. But some of the pastors who went out to visit on separate occasions had a very odd experience. They separately woke up in the middle of the night in a sweat and were terrified, feeling that there was some sort of evil presence that was lurking nearby. And when you're out, um, you know, in the dark in a village a long way from other people, you you can be you can be scared. And, and this happened to, to more than one. And not surprisingly, the visits of those pastors became less frequent to San Lorenzo. And so I talked to the district superintendent at one point, and I said it's true that Satan and demons, you know, have real power, and this is what they were talking about. But Christ is infinitely more powerful. And we can pray and have faith to um, conquer this thing. And I said that quite confidently, knowing the, the theology was good, but practically it, it still needed to be tested. It was a good thing that in the Missionary Training Institute, there was a missionary from Haiti who had talked to us before we left about 
doing prayer for the cleansing of a particular place. Because as I talked with Carlos a little bit more about this house where we would stay and where the church actually had built a galera next, next door, a roof on posts where they met for worship. This house, some years before, had been dedicated to witchcraft in that part of that part of Honduras. And so I translated this prayer and adapted it, and I told Carlos, the most important thing isn't the words that we say, but to have faith that Christ does have power over, over this. And we prayed, and praise God, after that there wasn't any other experience of that kind of terror in the night. And the church has continued to grow, and I know it's been through prayer, and it's been through trusting in uh, God's power, God's power to transform. When we focus on Jesus as our all-powerful Savior and Deliverer, people's lives are transformed. There were many people that came to Christ through that ministry in San Lorenzo, and through all of that, Pastor Carlos and the church itself continued to have a desire to reach out to others who had not heard this message as well, being the recipients of this good news, they wanted to share it themselves. Last November, Rick West, who is the area field director for Latin America, and Robert Barantes from Costa Rica, who's the regional field director, went to visit Honduras, and they introduced a new functional administrative structure that uh, has two areas, one in La Ceiba and another out in San Lorenzo, where Carlos will actually be the person who will head up outreach and church planting in this part of, of Honduras. Just a wonderful opportunity, and Jesus Film Ministry fits so well with the kind of need where Carlos will be ministering. And so it's great to see these pieces coming together, and so exciting to hear the reports of the Jesus Film around the world. If you read the first issue of the new GP Worldview, Global Partners Worldview, our denominational uh, report on what's happening in missions, there's an article in there by John Connor in which he talks about Jesus Film Ministry in a particular Muslim country where it's a process of negotiating to be able to get permission even to show the Jesus Film. And so after some negotiating in this particular uh, country, permission was granted by an old shaman who didn't show up to the showing itself, and that was a cultural snub that he didn't do that. And the Jesus Film team recognized that. They started praying, and they fasted as well. They were on kind of the four corners of where the, the group had gathered to see this, this film. And during that time, all of them witnessed a kind of apparition of this shaman flying up above them, but hitting against a sort of shield. And they believed that uh, God's word was going through powerfully, and uh, that shaman became a believer himself eventually and opened the door to the gospel in that part of the world. It's just amazing how God is, is using this. Maybe some of you heard or read Ben Patterson's story. 
who is here for Spiritual Identities this week in the fall. Did any of you hear his Jesus film story about when he was a pastor in New Jersey and he, uh, along with his church, supported the translation of the Jesus film into a language in another Muslim country. And he described how much joy there was, both for the missionaries and for the people hearing just the message of, of Jesus as, as this film rolled along. He tells about how when he, he started, when the uh, projector was rolling along, uh, to see this man who did these acts of kindness and received children being mocked and mistreated, the people who'd never seen a movie before uh, began to wonder what was up. They were angry. They, sh they started shaking their fists and wondered if maybe the missionary was, were responsible himself. So had to stop the projector, and, and so they calmed down, waited for more of the story to come. And then when the crucifixion came, they were ready to riot once again, and he had to calm them down. But then when the resurrection came and the whole story was told, they were ready to celebrate and slap one another on the back and dance and celebrate and to see how the beauty of that story of Jesus impacts the people who hear it for the very first time is, is a wonderful thing. Our team from Western New York that will be going is gifted for ministry in a variety of ways. This is a, an exploratory nuts and bolts uh, team uh, with the purpose to actually get the Jesus Film team going in Honduras. And I'm so glad that we have going along with us Tom and Donna Putnam, who are experienced missionaries in Sierra Leone and Haiti and working with medical missions. Uh, we don't plan to do medical ministry while we're down there, but Tom will be looking at possibilities for the future. He actually spent a little time when he was in high school living in Honduras. And uh, Donna is great with kids and hopes to be doing some work uh, with the children. And maybe we'll be doing a little something with Sunday school teachers. They're both looking forward to uh, speaking some Spanish. Uh, so you can pray for us in that regard. We have as well uh, Pastor Paul Palmer from the Oakland Wesleyan Church in Nunday and Charlie Wilkins from the same church. They, along with Jurgen Sumata, have traveled out of the country various times and have uh, some construction skills. And uh, actually, Jurgen and his wife Betty from the Eastern Hills Church came down to San Lorenzo at the time that the parsonage was being built. And, uh, helped to lay the foundation for that, and that was also a foundation for a real friendship with the people there. And at the Oakland Wesleyan Church, there's been uh, a connection with the Faith Comes by Hearing ministry, and through that connection, as they heard that we were going to Honduras, we were recipients of something called a proclaimer. Paul, would you be willing to hold that up and demonstrate how this works. This is actually solar operated, where there's a crank on the side if there's not enough sun. Though usually in tropical climates like Honduras, there's, there's plenty of sun except during rainy season. 
and it has on it the Spanish New Testament. And so this is something that we'll be leaving in Honduras along with some Spanish Bibles. We'll be working with the... San Mateo. Here we go. San Mateo, capítulo 1. We have as well a couple who work with youth, Steve Johnson from the West Seneca Church, and also Eric Steff, he's not able to be here today, but he works with youth at our church and works with student impact throughout James Seneca schools. Uh, They'll be thinking about some ways to reach out to youth. And uh, this is something we hope is a first trip of perhaps others, maybe many others, to come. It is a partnership that we hope will be growing between our district and Honduras and connecting the resources and uh, the kinds of relationships that we have here with the people down there. One of the tools that John Connor uses along with the Jesus film is the EvangiCube. And so we are practicing how to do this in, in Spanish. It can be enough of a challenge just to be able to manipulate it. It feels a little bit like a Rubik's Cube at times. But uh, to be able to tell the story in, in Spanish. So we're, we're practicing, those of us that have a little bit of Spanish, Porque de tal manera Dios amó al mundo que ha dado su, a su Hijo unigénito para que todo aquel que en él cree no se pierda, mas tenga vida eterna. John 3.16 And uh, to know the scriptures that go with these so that we can have the opportunity for personal evangelism is part of what we're looking forward to doing. And uh, you can pray for us in that regard that God will give us uh, fluency and courage along with, with humility and uh, the ability to do that well for God's glory. Some of the needs that we have as we go are um, in the area of financial support. This is a partnership that could potentially go up to three years at $15,000 a year, that will include equipment. John Connor will be bringing a screen. Pastor Carlos will be buying a generator. And I'm really glad that part of that support as well goes for a small stipend for Pastor Carlos and his team. He has not talked to anybody yet about finances because he says he wants the motivation to be reaching souls for Christ. And I've worked with few people who are so careful about accounting financially. This is a guy who uh, wouldn't like it if a receipt would be wrinkled when he was doing a, a project. And so we're, we're blessed to be working with somebody like that. And so that he will be able to keep accountability and, and be connected with the people back here, we're hoping he will have an email connection. And so a need that we still have is a laptop computer. If anybody knows of a resource on that, we'd be happy to take that down to him. He's able to get an email connection so that he can be in correspondence with the people who support the Jesus film. And 
as well, we would be glad, most of all, of course, for you to pray that we'll be sensitive to opportunities to serve, that uh, along with the responsibilities that we have, that we'd be open to the people that we meet, that we'd look for opportunities to minister holistically and uh, to share the good news of Christ. As I reflected on the theme for this weekend across generations, I was thinking about all the opportunities that we have as families, as the family of God, to encourage one another in, in ministry. And it's really a delight to be here this weekend with my parents here and parents from both sides of the family and to think of the many people who have modeled and encouraged and prayed for and contributed to making this kind of ministry possible. It's just a joy to think about the privilege that God has given us of this treasure that we believe is a treasure without limit other than the lack of human responsiveness. God's grace is abundant and free and ample to go around to everybody who will receive it. And so with that kind of endless supply, we should be well motivated, shouldn't we, to take this message and to love our neighbor and to let it be known across generations.